0: Hey everyone, Tom here, Alpha Metallica, back with yet another episode. If you enjoy the show and want to get back to the show at Metallica Pod, you can support us there, you can follow us. Um, Patreon is there also. You may notice one of the things we've been doing is these compilations now that we're getting to the end of the run. So we've already had the Ride the Lightning one that should be on the main feed by now. And uh, the Death Magnetic one is going to be the next one upcoming because we're going to do uh, Unforgiven free and then be done with that record. Uh, so yeah, that'll be on the Patreon first. All the other things that are always on there as well, all the future episodes, uh, RSS feed to download them. Check us out on Spotify, check us out on iTunes, leave a review, subscribe, comment, you know, all the sort of generic uh, influencer type stuff that I'm, uh, you know, um, attaining to. So we will go forward into the show and. um you know today is an interesting one really we have explored so we have explored Metallica in so many different ways and for so many different purposes top 10 riffs and going into like you know specific interviews they've done in magazines like the Playboy interview or their acoustic shows for Chariot and, and, and today we're talking about the stats the raw analytics the minerals of the band in terms of this touring behemoth this machine that they are and you know just kind of marveling at some of the obscurity and the miscellany and you know I was recently on live on four legs the Pearl Jam live podcast and we had the Reading 06 show, that was a great episode I mean, I did come across, as I've mentioned before as not really the biggest Pearl Jam fan, I sort of slight them off in a lot of ways, but I sort of do that with Metallica as well I don't know if that's a British thing to just sort of, you know they indeed do that way if you um, try and make them seem human in your eyes to a certain extent but go check out that episode and you know, Metallica aren't really like Pearl Jam in the sense where they're not kind of going through their whole back catalogue and doing acrobats, you know, from 93 up till now and B-sides and stuff and they're not like a Grateful Dead either that are very expansive and cover the canon in different reinterpretive ways, often they're on site calls of songs songs are fitted into certain slots and you know we're going to get into this as we go through the episode but you know through that reason there have been songs that they haven't played much at all so we're going to go through each album you know pretty much song by song songs of interest and just comment as this song ever been played maybe discuss it a little bit but of course it's not me i'm also joined by my guest austin austin how's it going It's going great, Tom. Really happy to be here, finally. Yeah, and really glad for you to be here because, I mean, you're in Florida right now and you're in the eye of the the Dorian, Dorian. It sounds like a chord storm over there. The modes it reminds me (laughs) of, like. That's exactly right. Not not to downplay uh, it, like, I know it's a serious (laughs) actual phenomenon, but, like.
1: No, you know, we're, so I'm from, I'm born and raised in Florida. And the one thing I'll say about us Floridians is that we do tend to downplay these things, maybe to a, maybe to a fault. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know. I'm really hoping for the best here, but um, at the end of the day, we'll see.
0: And you mentioned finally before, um, you know, I appreciate that because you said in your email recently, you've been listening since the A's. You've been listening since the early doors at Alpha Metallica, like.
1: Yes. Yeah. I think my first episode was actually, um, I think it was, the one with uh, Andrey Veselenka. I can't oh, remember. Yeah, who, that was uh, the third episode.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: All Nightmare Long we did, yeah. Exactly. All Nightmare <sighs> Long. So I, I think, uh, I, I don't know. I don't even remember how I found it. I think I was just deciding oh, let me just see what kind yeah. of podcasts are out there and i looked up metallica one of my favorite bands um of all time mm-hmm. and then i found yours and i love the pun the alpha metallica <laughs> and that's what hooked me
0: no i'm glad i'm glad it did it's work yeah and that is lovely to do that plunge i've done that with van halen and recently got into a great van halen, dave and dave and as i mentioned before on the show my top 10 music episodes but yeah just searching that band like you search metallica and just you're know, finding some great stuff uh, amidst that but you and metallica then in general with the band where, where did that start
1: uh, so, really similar to, I think, you and and a lot of your guests. I was about, uh, I think, 11, maybe 12 mm. years old. And uh, this guy that worked with my mom, sometimes he would just, uh, if my mom was too busy, he would come and pick me up from school. And I was in sixth grade at the time. Mm. And I just remember in the truck on the way home, he would always play Metallica. And I don't think I really ever noticed uh, anything. I was kind of not really into music at that age uh, yet. And so Metallica was pretty much my, you know, uh, what's the word? Um, gateway. Basically the first band. Yeah, my mm. gateway. Thank you. Uh, that just got me uh, into music. And so I, it was one. Uh, one was the yeah. one where I really just, I heard the opening riff. It was captivating. And the guy, of course, my mom's friend, he told me the story of the song, which immediately sort of roped me in mm. to that lore that Metallica always carries yeah. for for its fans. In so many songs, too, right? But and then I remember it was the, uh, not the final, final solo, not the not the uh, harmony solo, but the one before that, Kirk's sort of rip-roaring, mm. uh, tapping adventure, and that's what actually made me want to
0: learn to play guitar, and that's kind of how I got started. And so from there, then, like, you were clearly just there in the eye of the storm, to a certain extent, you know, so many people were getting into the band at that time, like, you must have been following with Glee. Oh, yeah, this was, so I'm, uh, I think we're
1: about the same age, mm. I um, I'm 28, so this was basically right before St. Anger sure, came sure, out,
0: sure, okay. uh,
1: when I started even getting into rock music at all. But like I said, Metallica was sort of the way into that. Um, yeah. And it's kind of funny, because I tell you what, I don't listen to that much other heavy music. Um, Metallica was the beginning and somehow has just stayed with me all these years. But I'm not, I'm not into like, Really, metal in a lot of other. I, I am sometimes, but I'm kind of. Uh, I don't know. I stay. I just seem to just not get into it. Metallica has a something special. As far as I can say, though. Yeah,
0: yeah, there is a magic there, certainly, and y- your average Metallica fan isn't necessarily going to love Domination by Pantera. Uh, they probably right. will, but 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 they might not. Yeah, and when you go to the live concerts, you see a very eclectic mix of people. Um, but you know, today we're going deep into Metallica back catalogue. So, Indeed. are you are you nerdy in that way with music? Do you appreciate like track listings and bootlegs and that sort of side of it?
1: Oh yeah, um, oh yeah, I've actually learned quite a bit. Uh, just from listening to this show and, yeah, um, me too. of course, metal up your podcast, like just like looking up <laughs> rarer performances. And um, I don't know if you've ever seen those compilations on YouTube, just like compilations of uh, rare live performances by Metallica, but I just fell down that rabbit hole. And um, I've always been a deep cut guy when it comes to my music. I very rarely rely on the enter Sandman's of the, of the album, Mm -hmm. Uh, not to say I don't like enter Sandman, but you know, I think that the black album has so much more to offer that sometimes people can miss out on. Um, So I'm, I'm pretty uh, excited for this episode to talk about some of these, uh, in my opinion, often underappreciated and underrated tracks.
0: Mm. And it's interesting, isn't it? The, I mean, we'll get to um, load as we go through, but that's the actual first album to which none, it's the first one where there's been some songs that have never been played. Up to that point, those first five... <laughs> Escape, at least, has been debuted. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I actually
1: wanted to ask you, do you feel incredibly validated that the vast majority <laughs> of these tracks it? come from Load and Reload? Yeah, I think maybe the boys agree with you.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- they toured as much, probably more, probably have more opportunity. Right. These songs are probably easier to learn than a lot of the Black Album, but... Sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. We're going to get to Load... We're going to get to the glory that is the fact that house that Jack built. Well, I just kind of don't mind that one, but Cure, <laughs> Form Within, you know, they, 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 oh, they, they've, they've never been played. But I've got I, a
1: problem with Bad Seed. You've got a problem with Bad Seed? I just,
0: I can't get into it. Really? It's,
1: yeah, wow. of all the, I'm so, if do you like, do you like Bad Seed? It's
0: a rare refuge of sanity in Reload, I think.
1: Oh my, that's so interesting to me because I... I can't find it there. I can't find it there. It's to me, you don't like better than you, if I recall. It, yeah, yeah. See, to me, they're they're brothers. What? No. <laughs> Bad seed has swagger and purpose. It, it I rocks. don't know. I don't know. I'm excited to to plumb these depths with you because okay. I think that generally speaking, on load and reload, we probably have a, a fair amount of agreement. But <laughs> I, just that alone, right there, is such an interesting uh, door into our disagreements. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll find.
0: So um, what we've done here, guys, we're just doing studio albums because it felt a little silly to include Garage Ink and then maybe stuff they only do live or little covers or in the Hall of the Mountain King or stuff like that, because, you know, that'll take forever. And maybe in the future, something like that'll happen. But for now, we've just gone through all the studio albums um, and, uh, yeah, totted them up with Metallica.com forward slash songs, even though they've recently changed the website in the last six months or so. I mean, inherently, all the data is still there and stuff like that. it's still a really good, useful uh, research tool, but just the kind of aesthetic anatomy of the site, I don't find as pleasing as I did prior. Uh, it's not as minimal, but uh, yeah, cross references with that. You know, gone through all the track list of each album, just seen what's been played the least. Rare. We have defined Rare as less than 50 plays, because obviously a lot of these songs are nailed on staples. They're in the thousands, and if not the thousands, they're in the, you know, four to five hundreds. So we're going to the lower level, and maybe you'll hear some songs, you'll be like, what the fuck, this isn't like a Rare, but, you know, it's been played under 50 times, or near enough then, if there's not one under 50 times, as of a few of these albums early on, um, we'll sort of talk about the lowest ones that have been played. But we'll just start then uh, with "Kill 'Em All. Actually, the lowest play count from "Kill 'Em All Perhaps unsurprisingly, out of the songs, is Metal Militia. What are your thoughts on Metal Militia? Uh, Definitely one of the more throwaway uh, tracks, efforts on on, Killable. You know, it it just doesn't stick. It doesn't feel as essential or vital or classic. You know, it it has the energy and and the muster for it. It has the guts. But um, yeah, a little too long, a little too crowded. Not as amphemic uh, as I need it to be
1: it It seems a bit like the diet Coke to uh whiplash,
0: yeah <laughs> it, you know
1: mm-hmm. i i i don't mind the song i in fact, I like it in terms of if it comes on, I'm not gonna skip it, however, just like you said for the rest of Kill em All, it's no four horsemen, it's no motor breath, it's no uh seek and destroy i I just think it's I don't have much to say on metal militia i other than I like it, but it's it's not even gonna be near my top. 50 metallica songs you
0: know i haven't branched out into merch really with Alf metallica to be fair it's not that po- it's not as popular as the big boys and ethan and mentally your podcast but um you know i want to <laughs> get a t-shirt and i do mean this but i also want to sell it as a slogan as a message as a mantra um kill them all's better than load yeah, well,
1: yeah i would i would agree with would that would you
0: agree i would okay, i would agree kind of i think there test. are I think there are
1: moments on Kill 'Em All that I'm not a fan of um, that you may even disagree with. I'm I'm not huge into Phantom Lord, which might be sacrilegious for some. Uh, I'm not huge into Jump in the Fire. Ooh, okay. But uh, at the same time, Load is, in my opinion, about, I don't know, it's the most bloated. Well, I think Reload is <laughs> actually more bloated than uh, than Load. But I think
0: Load, I don't know, I would definitely pick oh. Kill 'Em All over Load. Oh, Reload is horrible, yeah, but but yeah, no, Kill Em All. Anaesthesia alone, for, yeah. for for the territory <laughs> that's being plumbed there. I just yeah, find it, absolutely. A Wellspring, that song, I find it so inspiring, and just so much of it just has that baked-in, cheap sound that just raises the kind of street-legal thrash of it all, yeah. Um, really into Kill Em All. So, Metal Militia, yeah, uh, 86 times the lowest played. Um, from Ride, so obviously so many anthems from this record oh my God. you know i uh, even something like five five with fire has been played like over a hundred times and you know fade to black bells etc etc um trapped under ice and escape are kind of the blood brothers in a sense on this album people always associate these two songs as kind of the lesser known ones um trapped under ice 21 times it's been played though
1: i think this song is vastly underrated i mm. really mean that we just, I... we just covered it on the show yeah i agree yeah i, I remember and i remember listening it I, I don't know. I can't figure out why they um they just don't quite love it. Hmm. Yeah. It's I, no don't get me wrong, it's no creeping death, right? Like I guess if you're if you're putting it up against the the big monsters, Ride the Lightning, Creeping Death, uh Call of Cthulhu, these I, okay, I see maybe that it takes a second tier, but but in terms of an overall Metallica song, I I don't know. I love those octaves in the intro mm-hmm. as they start to come in. You know what? And um I noticed the intro to the solo it, like as it starts cuz I actually agree with you on the uh most of the time about Kirk. <laughs> I really do. I have okay. when I first started playing guitar, he was the reason, right? I loved sure. it so much. But I was focused so hard on these uh these early albums where I think we agree he was so much more melodic and less wah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, le- less uh heavy on the wah
0: and I think in this song he does a fantastic job though. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, but again, it, it's of his Purple patch era, you know, it, it's, it's when, it's when yep. he was trying new things. And yeah, the war is just so obviously this ugly cloak that just kind of allows him to just stagnate. And you know, so much of his playing. Like, I'm just making my notes now for um Unforgiven Two, which, which actually we'll get onto Unforgiven Two because uh, yeah, that hasn't been played too much ever. And escape only the once escape. So it's a nice concession.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I'm happy they did it. I don't really understand the disdain for this song either. I no. think uh, that that major key of the chorus is. Yeah, it's it's such a unique thing for Metallica to do. Uh, just a fully major key chorus, and I I think it works. I think it's. I think they they successfully put their Metallica flavor into that, and it doesn't really come off all that cheesy to me. And the sirens. Yeah, <laughs> what do you think about those? <sighs>
0: A little cheesy. I mean, we've had yeah. marching footsteps to end it, and I don't. I don't. It doesn't really bother me, and like, kind of, you know, there's certain something like you say, Metallica are sort of embarrassed for some reason about this song. But I'm not saying that I'd agree with them, but I could understand if they would dismiss some "Kill 'Em All" rather than this. Really, I don't think it's necessarily that embarrassing. I pre- think it's pretty accomplished in a lot of spaces as it maneuvers between the riffs. But uh, yeah, one outing. And unsurprising that from the third record, master puppets of course, all of these eight subs were played over and over and over again, um none under fifty. Orion being the lowest sixty eight plays And what is there to say about Orion best I don't in- know. best instrumental, right? I think by far
1: I went back and forth for a long time between Orion and Tillavis to die, but mm. i there's uh, Orion to me is really a masterpiece uh I, I think. That's a ubiquitous. I, 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 or I'm sorry, I think everybody agrees with that. I don't know. It. Every single riff is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Every single lead guitar part is perfect. You can sing every solo without even having to put yeah. that much work into remember. I mean, it's just it's it's a work no of work. art.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there. It's like, you know, there's certain Guns N' Roses solos that are like that, like that you can just sing. You can sing, like, two yeah. minutes of it. Like, it's crazy, but you can. And it's just there because, yeah, the, the Orion leads are uh, indelible. Justice, everything has been played on Justice. Freight Ends getting 12 plays.
1: I remember the first time that I discovered Freight Ends. Uh, and it was, it was when I was in high school, and I just kind of realized that that was the one song on Justice that I had never really listened to. Sure. And I remember that day, I think I had my iPod in school and I kept sneaking and I kept listening to the song over and over and over again. And I love this song. I, I think it's underrated. I think it needs to be played more. It's, every single riff is tight. It's intense. Mm-hmm. There's, it, it, it just sounds so, it, it reminds me of war or something like marching yeah. into war.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just has that, those declamatory chords opening up that are really evil, the demonic noise, and just as sonically is this ever-shifting mass, you don't quite know where you are with a riff, and it will turn on a dime, and it just, you know, the, the claustrophobic intensity of it, and there's so many subtle ideas uh, stacked throughout, such clamour, uh, such movement. Really, really a fan of um, Freight Ends. And the other Justice song that's maybe slightly rare, I mean, it is rare, 35 times it's ever been played, Dire's Eve, the, the closer of the album.
1: Yeah, I I actually wrote down uh, when I was taking some notes on on these songs for both uh, Freight Ends and Dire's Eve, I just have Riff City mm-hmm. because there's there's just so many. They're just pounding riffs in like into one song. It's, it's basically the uh, antithesis of what they did on L.O.A.D. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they just let it breathe, didn't they? But it just—it had, oh ba- had bad breath. Yeah, you know, it just—yeah, it was. Uh... And Dire's
1: Eve too. I don't know how you feel about uh, Hetfield's more personal and introspective lyrics, but mm. I, I quite like them on this song. I think they work well, and I think the the verse, uh, how it, we just have those power chords ringing out, yeah. as opposed to the incredibly uh, fast alternate picking uh, riffs in the in the other parts. Bloodily I think fast,
0: like... I love it it's it's it, yeah it's, it's a nice mix actually and it's kind of new like often he'll talk in these kind of like vague images and stuff like that and so I'm phrasing this way but the the pronoun switch and the honesty of it combined with the the brutality um that that runs through like a you know marbled seam. um the black album there are three songs here that have been played under 20 times obviously the guys are on tour for, for years and years for this and seem to exhibit tons of it tons of these well five of these were giant classic singles and there's kind of a little band underneath that like, you know everyone knows the songs as well like you know you got to failed um of wolf of man etc um don't tread on me at 17 plays.
1: i think this i think every song on the black album you can tie them all together you know they're from the black album mm-hmm. but they each have their own character and this one's no different i mean i think this one does it it strays into that territory that i know you've mentioned a few times sort of where you think they might maybe they could have been on justice you know there's a little bit of that uh that that sound in there um but again with kirk's wah i wish it weren't there i I don't Mm. i don't think it needs to be i think it distracts a little bit but other than that the solo is actually pretty good in this
0: song i think yeah Uh, kirk's black album period is, yeah. is, is yeah. remarkably consistent like you know he was pushed by the producer and it's it's kind of sad isn't it when you see lars and his laptop now it's like what, what even is kirk i know i it does really bum me out <laughs> i because i think when you Eddie listen van to halen like, wouldn't do that like
1: yeah i mean I no, know, you're kirk, right kirk's not van halen i know that's a crazy comparison but still <laughs> no but when you listen to something like Fade to Black, the intro solo, or even the out, the outro solo, yeah. and you listen to Fid-
0: Fiddleman couldn't have coaxed that. That comes from Kirk. Like.
1: Yeah, no, it's it, it does make you wonder where. And I, I have great respect for Kirk, but I I don't understand the like you said, what is his you like? What is he doing right now? He just seems to be um, two hands. I don't know.
0: No, no, you could never really expect a solo album from Kirk. I don't think. No, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Like, like maybe you'll guess. I mean, he has been on, like, Santana's album, I think, in, like, 05 or something like that. But, yeah, I can't really imagine him going down a Steve Vai sort of Lucifer route. But um, more songwise, Also 17 plays. Uh, the Struggle Within, the closing track. Yeah, I think this is a great song. Underrated really, okay. song
1: as hell, right? So underrated, absolutely. That intro lead, the... <laughs> I, I just think that is, uh it's beautiful. It's It's so good.
0: Yeah, it's uh that riff as well. That sort of bridge riff. One want to head to yeah.
1: Best. yeah, absolutely. I think I I think this would be a crowd favorite if they if they pulled it out a little more often. I think people would love it.
0: It's just it's just you know they've got too many albums I'm afraid. Like there's too many songs. <laughs> I just think there's no real reason for them to do Struggle Within again. I mean, you know, it's not even like yeah. some yeah. anniversary or anything. Like it's it's Saint Angus' time to shine now i would i think they should
1: absolutely bring out uh more sane anger i i i don't want to uh, you know spoil what's coming but when i when i found out sweet amber i think you did this on the episode though you mentioned that it's been played no times yes and that i just well, can't it's believe been played that.
0: once actually i think um oh once yeah once but i can't believe that either yeah it's uh, I, I know it's shocking. I know. It deserves I know. more. I know. But
1: I think you and I, I think, uh, see eye to eye on saying anger. Okay. I'm, I'm quite. A, maybe because it was the first uh, sort of new Metallica album that I was able to experience mm. as a fan. You know, um, I remember getting it for Christmas, and uh, I got the edited version. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I, uh, I remember my friend made fun of me because I went back out and bought the, the unedited version later on, just because I didn't want to have. Uh, Uh, I wanted to have the original copy. This was my, of course, 14-year-old self
0: thinking. (laughs) Uh, My Friend of Misery, the final song from the Black Album, uh, 18 times has been played. I mean, for me, I absolutely adore this song for so many reasons, especially the instrumental break. There's like four different parts that go into each Mm. other. It's like a little medley almost.
1: I wrote one word down next to My Friend of Misery, which is gorgeous. Mm. That's I remember the first time I heard this uh, song was um, my first viewing of Cunning Stunts when uh, mm. Jason does the the intro as his solo. And I was totally captivated by that. It made me want to get a bass guitar, which I, I never actually did. But I love this song, and I think James's performance um, vocally is
0: stunning on this one. So we get now through into the songs that have been played no times at all. Not even at the anniversary shows did they deign to dredge these out of the anonymity of nothingness. (laughs) Uh, We are at load, people. Uh, We are at a song... That I did with Jeremy, I believe, quite a while ago. And it's a rare Alpitalica episode where I changed my mind during the episode. I wasn't so steadfast in my views or anything like that, but we had a really good discussion about this song and the vocals and the idea of the perspectives in the song and the redemptive idea. And, you know, The House of Jack Bill is the track. Still don't love it. Still musically find a lot of it abhorrent. Um, Austin has got zero plays. You know, I
1: don't mind this one. I mm-hmm. think it's uh, as far as load goes. I think it's pretty good. Uh, it's it's a bit drawn out yeah. for me. Uh, you you we have to wait till just about past the three minute mark to hear that first chorus. Um, yeah. But it is a, quite the payoff. I think it takes think a long time to build big, the house. Like yeah, it really does. It really does. But I think the chorus works. I think it's a really good part. The the higher you are, that whole section is uh, very Metallica to me.
0: Talking of very Metallica to me, especially for very sort of, you know, mid to late 90s Metallica, Load Reload Metallica, I find it hard to believe that Cure was never played live or has never been played live, at so Zero plays. Like, to me, that's an early jam, like Bad Seed, the cunning kind stunt, of stunts, stuff like that. Like, that riff would work, I think, that intro riff. I, I think I'm a little bit
1: torn on Cure. Um, I think it's a bit of a weird song. Uh, the chorus is be... weird yeah it's such and it's them it may be their most southern rock right it's got a such a jangly just mm. almost grungy vibe right um yeah, but it it's still got that metallica flavor um i i could see why maybe they didn't play it but i also think that it would i think it would work i think the crowd would would work for it and if i were there i would be happy to see cure
0: yeah Um, the song to me does kind of fall apart beyond the opening riff it's very much a kind of this is on Hetz riff tape like let's kind of fashion something around it like as they say in some kind of monster Um, yeah to me uh, it doesn't doesn't really stick Um, I find it quite tasteless uh, to be honest Um, and uh, Poor Twisted Me, four plays Poor Twisted Me has had but a tour named after it to be fair and (laughs) here's what I think as we talk about load,
1: a little bit of perspective might be interesting, which is we're talking only ten years after Master of Puppets. Yeah. It's hard to believe that Cure or Poor Twisted Me is coming out of the same mm. the, the the same amps. I mean yeah. it's fascinating to think about. Mm. I mean, I that's one thing I think that Metallica has that holds these holds everybody in the way that we we do. I just their constant evolution and sort of toying with what we what we want as fans like i can't tell if they care or they don't
0: <laughs> i don't think they do no but that's, yeah no, I, don't, I don't really hold that against them but uh no no um, no it's it's really great yeah this again kind of got that odd kind of bumpkin bounce to me that just doesn't really uh cut the mustard mama said twice it's been played um both what? of these in- do you yeah. do you like mama said not at all. I I find the melody quite quite childish and inane I don't I don't mm. find it uplifting to be honest with you. It just feels like a digipack pack of country sounds going on behind Hetfield, kind of like the video, <laughs> kind of like no, this is kind of fake faux sugar dust jacket. Like nah. no, it doesn't really like. And I'm not trying to compare musics and be like blah blah blah. But like I think what it's going for, um, I much prefer like a David Rawlings, a Gillian Welsh, um, a Sturgill Simpson. Like to me, it just feels like Hepfield in Daddy's underwear. Like I don't know, it just doesn't really uh, float with me. So no, not really a fan, to be honest. I think that's
1: interesting. Um, I, it's not something I listen to almost ever, frankly. Uh, but I, I do kind of like it. Um, mm. What I, what I, I tell you what though, I, it's not the Metallica I want when I want Metallica, and I think that's it. Just doesn't quite reach that level. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I think it's a pretty good song.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people do. Definitely a lot of people do. And, uh, you know, certainly caught some flank for that. As I did with Form Within, which just covered with Clint, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, fairly recently. Great to speak to him as always. Zero plays on this one. How do you feel about Form Within? Well, I
1: really like the main riff. Uh, I, I think that the main riff, you, really? could, you might be able to find that on Death Magnetic. Like, I really think ah. that it, it's good, but it's extremely nineties. It feels quite dated, and I think it's uh, a little bit undeservedly long
0: <laughs> yeah so much of that record is right oh my gosh, so much treading water
1: right mm. like, just... uh, l- lots of bloating it's <laughs> yeah. uh too much too much. It's... I think that they yeah. could shave off i think they could shave off so many minutes and still have a an ex- actually have a much better record mm
0: mm. It would have been very brave for them to have a short record, yeah. Mm. But no, they tried to push the CD to its limits and boasted of it. I had to cut one of the songs as well, and uh, yeah. Uh, Ronnie, Zero Plays. I'm kind of surprised again. I think this would have been a welcome surprise at the anniversary shows. For example, everyone knows this song; everyone recognizes the song. It's very distinct, even in its southern flavorings. The main riff, for example, really satisfying as the years go on. That double stop bend—you know, really rich and raw. Um, I, I, I'm surprised we haven't seen Ronnie out. I love the craftsmanship
1: of that of that riff. Mm. I don't know if if you notice, but it does that sort of. I, I struggle to come up with a word for that sort of croak or or, yeah, or yeah. squeak. But I love how it, it gives us that a few times to keep the tension up. And then on each of the fourth rounds of the riff, you get some sort of melodic moment mm-hmm. that sort of satisfies that tension that, it, that uh, they had created. I think it's pretty cool.
0: And the last song, On Load, Outlaw Torn, 14 plays. I, I'm just
1: devastated that
0: you don't like this song. I cannot get to grips with this song at all um uh, I right. so fillery though you just how, how is this not bloated this song
1: oh it, well i will say the entire ending i think you could we could cut it off and
0: we'd be if, just fine if you're a nine At minute about... if you're sorry if you're a nine minute song you better fucking be the end by the doors you know it's even longer or <laughs> you know just something really remarkable or starship trooper by yes or something like this just and that COD soloing at the end from Kirk. Stop it, Kirk. Stop. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I think you can cut it
1: off at eight minutes. And I no. think if you wanted to, you so could cut long. it off even a little bit. Though. I know. But I, lo- I think the Outlaw Torn, especially... You know, I go back and forth on the S&M version or the, the record version. But, mm. but I don't know. There's something about this. I
0: love that main riff. I love it. Yeah, there's just... <sighs> I don't know. I think, you know, people seem to just to my ears. No, Um, you know, a good riff you can come to for decades, uh, centuries, even, you know, hopefully in the future. But um, this, no, I'm already sort of bored of this riff, to be honest with you. But um, (laughs) yeah, people love Outlaw Torn out there. On to Reload, my good friend Reload. Devil's Dance, 44 plays, which, you know, has, has atmosphere. I will give it that. But I still can't really forgive bending a five to a seven um, on the on on the G string in the way that Kirk rings it of such an empty uh, bluster. It's um, it's it's pretty unforgivable.
1: It's nowhere near their best. It's nowhere near their best. But I do think that among the tracks of the Load and Reload era, I can see it sort of floating to the top of the uh, to near the front of the pack. Maybe not the very front, but. I, I forget about this one often, but when I come back to it, I I think it's a decent track. The S&M version is fantastic.
0: Mm. Yeah, it certainly makes I use. I quite like the. Yeah, it definitely makes use of Michael Kamen there. But um, yeah, guys, you know my opinion <laughs> on Reload. You know where I sit here, and uh, unfortunately, I'm going to be pretty absolutist here. Unforgiven 2. Which, as we record this episode, Austin, I'm just prepping for Unforgiven 2 to record in a few days. it's has six live plays. Um, what do you think about this song?
1: So I'm a little bit biased about The Unforgiven 2 because it was one of the very first tracks that I discovered back in the uh, the LimeWire days. Mm. And I think probably just from searching The Unforgiven. And so I, I'm kind of fond of The Unforgiven 2. Um I will say though that I watched recently when they played it. I think at the the VMAs, um, back in '98, maybe uh, if I'm not mistaken. And it's just not. That was. It's not good. Not a good live song. I don't think it's very exciting. It doesn't feel very Metallica, but as far as the recording goes, I can get into it.
0: I just. Yeah. I mean, guys, check out the Unforgiven too. I don't know when this is going to actually be recorded, but um. Yeah, again, cannot get on board with this song. I'm not interested in sequels to tracks. Like, my main argument is how Load and Reload are just so arid really in terms of a fertile environment for creativity they're just borrowing ideas it's very incestual just to rebuild Unforgiven why why are you doing this why are you repurposing these riffs that people have an emotional attachment to and putting some slightly newer more aggressive load type modeling underneath like it just it doesn't really feel like music to me it's not the spirit of, of this thing we all love it's very corporate I don't know it's very distasteful Unforgiven too. I definitely see your
1: perspective and because it is all of those things like i don't i can't even uh give you a counter argument but there's something sentimental about maybe i'm just a sentimental guy i don't know but about because i think the unforgiven is uh another what i would call just a masterpiece of a mm. song i think it's entirely beautiful and kirk at his absolute finest <laughs> um but and this one doesn't come anywhere near that. I and I can admit that. But like I said, it might just be the nostalgia, but there's something about this one that I, I'm I'm willing to play it every once in a while.
0: Better Than You has received no plays.
1: We can skip it.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, Look, Better Than News Better Than You has become a sort of meme on Alpha Melly, your podcast, so uh yeah, check out pro episodes like Sliver again. I was quite savage on Sliver recently on the show. And yeah. you know, again, I, I can't, I can't really relent. Uh, I, I just find it a formless mulch of sound.
1: This is where we'll, uh we'll really come together here on Reload because uh, I think Slither's weird. I, I, I don't think there's enough meat in the song to warrant how long it is. And oh, I just don't, I don't like Slither no, at all. No, I can't. I tried, I tried for this episode. I've really listened to it, but I, I it's not me. <laughs>
0: Carpe Diem, baby. At four plays, you you a fan of this one?
1: So I think that the uh, the entire first minute of the song, I could just throw it away. Um, I'm I'm okay with the pre-chorus and the chorus. I think it's it's pretty cool. You know the so wash uh, wash your face away with dirt like that part. I think that's mm. it's got a it's a decent idea. Um, but I'm not really a fan of the verse, uh, the music in the verse, or the the lyrics and the vocals. And I just no, not a big. And way too long again. I mean, really, 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 long, really long, like my six, six
0: and a half minutes. Yeah. Um, no, yeah,
1: I could I could listen to maybe a minute and a half and be all right.
0: No, it's crazy. Um, you know, ultimately, it's just the stop-start dislocated nature of it as well. The reliance, again, on that 5-7 bending that I mentioned before just makes everything feel so sanitized and so samey. And yeah, which is why Bad Seed, the next track, which has never been played live properly. I mean, there has been that jam, but never again dusted off like Cure. I think this could have fit quite easily into the set around it. Not exactly a reload type song. It wouldn't galvanize people in that way. But still, uh, you know, quite a crowd pleaser. Something you don't really need to know pride, just enjoy the kind of Dunderhead riffing of it. But what, what are your issues with Bad Seed? Well, you know, you're making me second
1: guess myself. Knowing that you feel this way about it. I don't know. When I heard it, I kind of don't want to say what I thought. Because... <laughs> What what I all right when I listen to Bad Seed because it's been a long time since I've heard sure. it so I just listened to it to prep for this, and to me, it almost sounds like. Okay, let me just say I'm not a I'm not a a hater I'm neither a sure. hater nor a a big fan of Nickelback, but I don't mind uh, Nickelback Loki. With that that I I believe you and I'm not quite fond of them but I don't really quite think they deserve the massive amount of hate they get. Sure. Um, but I will say it sounds like Nickelback listened to Metallica and thought that Bad Seed was the best song. Mm-hmm. and Because it, it just reminds me so much of that sort of rock that that Nickelback plays. Um, I think it's a little too long, and it's only four minutes. I think, I don't know, I, I can't get into it. But if you're telling, I'm going to reconsider oh, because yeah, I, I mean,
0: you know, I get... trust your, your judgment. I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, we get James in sort of ringleader mode. It is basic riffage. I'll definitely give you that. Um, Speaking of Nickelback, for all the right reasons, I think it's from 2005. It's got, like, Animals and Rockstar. Terrific album. Love that album. I think the songwriting's really good on it. I think it's it's a pretty good album, too. Yeah, really good. Next Contestant. Great song. Like, um trying to think of some of the other tracks that are on there but but yeah that's a really good record the the... Uh,
1: the intro acoustic riff of uh, i think it's called saving me that's I, I think that's a great riff
0: oh yeah yeah saving me yeah that's a cool song as well um so uh so yeah <laughs> shout out, and they out. but uh, animals um <laughs> reminds me a little bit of bad seed in its kind of predatory pulse there uh that kind of oh, primordial sort of idea um but but yeah i like bad seed now where the wild things are again never been played this song um I, i'd love to love this song because I think it's so cool that Jason got a few credits through. You know, he's the main Flotsam and Jefferson guy. I think they had a mm. song called Fade to Black back in the day, which obviously was coincidental. Um, but Jason was the main guy back then. He was like the Lars and the James of that band. But then, you know, coming into this band has to kind of settle for being the Jason, the new kid. Uh, gets to Black and Riff, you know, get, get whatever, pushes through. We've seen him in Where the Wild Things Are. You know, if you would have seen this in a press release, you would have been like, oh, fuck, Jason's back. Well, uh, maybe it's going to turn the whole time. Maybe he's going to do like another Black and whatever. But he just kind of slips into that kind of reload porridge for me. I don't really like this track
1: i think that's a shame i i can see why you don't first of all it Mm -hmm. makes perfect sense to me but i think it's sort of haunting okay the the, the, there's an aura to this song that is just it it lingers i think after you hear it and and you this is one that kind of i come to this one every once in a while out of the blue just to say i kind of want to hear something weird by metallica (laughs) weird and
0: good not weird like slither right yeah yeah slither is uh perplexing as is prince charming also at zero so, so reload percentage wise can't tell the exact measurements here but yeah has the most songs of it okay it's a long album but the most songs of its listen that have never been played uh prince charming's never been played
1: you know when i heard prince charming in preparation for this i actually had to double check to make sure it wasn't a cover from let's say garage ink it, it doesn't wow. it almost doesn't sound metallica to me mm. I, mean, I don't. Know, I don't know how to. I don't know how to. Be all all of load to, and reload
0: doesn't sound Metallica to me. Like, <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm not. New. I'm not a fan of Prince Charming. I think it. No. There's something to be desired.
0: No, great, great stereotype uh, rejector in Shrek, but in terms of an actual Metallica song, just yeah, it's really, <laughs> really, again, a bit, bit agonizing to listen to. Uh, Attitude as well. Attitude is one of the most idiotic Metallica songs I've ever heard.
1: I really don't like Attitude. No. I can't I can't find my way into it. I just...
0: Yeah, it's just...
1: This is one of the songs I've maybe listened to least of all in all these years that I've listened to Metallica.
0: <laughs> I'm sure many listeners bestow that honour upon it, and it is uh, <laughs> nigh on unlistenable to Zero Plays. Uh, Fixer which I mentioned before, Twins in Metallica, uh, Trapped on the Ice Escape. I always associate, for some reason, Fixer and Outlaw Torn, you know, they're both the longer tracks um, that right. you have to endure for Outload and Reload. Uh, again, Zero Place, where do you sit with Fixer?
1: Again, one I haven't listened to very much, sure. but I have to say, I like it. Hmm? I think that the, the riffs are quite melodic, and in maybe sort of subtle way epic. I don't know how you can be subtly epic, but it seems like if you could, the riffs of Fixer would do that. Um, But I definitely would agree with you. We could chop quite a bit off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You just, I think most of chopping it off would would be okay. Maybe off the whole album. uh, Might might be quite (laughs) fitting. But uh, we go ahead now to, we go ahead now to uh, St. Anger. And um, obviously Frantic and St. Anger played a fuck ton. Uh, Only three times for some kind of monster. I find that quite surprising. Me too. I, I love this song. This is a big I, song. I, Most people know this song, like in the film, you know, whatever.
1: Oh, and it's just so good. That, that main riff, when it comes in, yeah. uh, I just think it, it kills. It, it does its job. It And I, I will say, I think we could um, trim it up. I, I actually decided to do a little just fun challenge for myself, and I pulled up some kind of monster in uh, Logic, And I started just trying to chopping things up a little bit to try to make it a shorter song, but still keep all my favorite parts. Because I don't quite like the radio edit that they made. No. It It takes away some of the magic of this song.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And there's just, again, so much in this song. Why is it here? Like, we get into that main intro riff where it has that cocked open wire, and it is intense when it drops, undeniably so. But the fact that it yeah. keeps going back and keeps repeating open notes and stuff, it's just kind of showy off. It's not that captivating as a breakdown. And, you know, the it's kind of nice to know the documentary and know the Frankenstein ideology behind the lyrics, and that adds to it. And certain sounds, like a junkyard whale come from Kirk that I like, but Yeah, again, needed a bit of snipping, maybe slightly more difficult, like the Justice songs to take on the road or, you know, to learn those kind of quite confusing rhythm parts early on. Dirty Window aired a little bit more, 31 times at the time of recording this has been played live.
1: So Dirty Window is a is a decent St. Anger song. I don't think it's particularly special um i in fact i would if i had to choose i would take some kind of monster just about any moment any day over a dirty window um in terms of what i'd want to see live but yeah, it's a good saint anger song i'm i don't have much to yeah. say about dirty window it's definitely one of the ones on that album that i have listened to the least
0: yeah it's got a real playful uh acerbic energy there uh both james vocally and just the the timings for on that sledgehammer riff that comes in I do really like dirty window i think a lot of people um i don't even say anger apologists like myself uh appreciate dirty window invisible kid splits people um a little more i enjoy it and i do think there's enough variety in the wrist to hold my attention but again eight minutes odd is you know really inexcusable where do you sit of invisible kid
1: uh, i think it's really good i just think it's too long yeah. i i quite like the melody of the verse uh, I, I think it sounds kind of just driving and groovy and i think james sounds good on this song really good it's like very good vocals for saint anger but i don't understand why it's eight minutes i i just can't no see the need for that long
0: no no yet again like you know it, it, it's very rare if the quality's there that people say oh, i wish this album was longer it's like you know i recently covered 1984 by van halen eight songs i think it's like 32 minutes or something like that you know it's breezy but because everything's so classic then you don't begrudge yeah. it at all. And it's like, you know, I think St. Angus could have sharpened to a more um, effective point there. But uh, yeah, Dig Invisible Kid, those Zero Plays, My World, Zero Plays, which kind of has a dirty window to it in the sense it dances with the listener. Uh, it has quite a lot of energy and, and mischief. Uh, are you a My World fan?
1: Yeah, I do. I do like My World. And I think I think the riffs are fun in this one. And mm. it just seems like a total jam. Like, and I remember learning it on guitar um as a kid because i was still maybe in my first or second year of playing when when saint anger came out and i remember i could kind of hang with my world whereas i couldn't hang with some of the other ones yet and uh yeah it's just a fun jam i think my world's one that i can i can easily um put on and i think it's if i I don't have the numbers here but i think it's not more than six minutes is that right
0: that's right yeah i think it's like five odd yeah
1: yeah and which is i mean just goes to show you, Saint Anger. As much as I do like Saint Anger a lot, but I think we could trim so much off and make it so a much. solid, such a more solid album.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you're looking at Saint Anger, you're looking at an album that has, I think it's five songs over seven minutes. Um, you know, of eleven songs there, and in in a different way to load, but it also feels slightly bloated and you know sonically as well. It's quite it's quite bludgeon yeah. on the uh, on the eardrums. Shoot me again has again, you know, been quite a rare song for the band. A very rare song in the fact, uh, never been played. Shoot Me Again, I Ain't Dead Yet. Never. Why has that never been played? I don't mind Shoot Me Again, but I really don't
1: like the uh, Shoot Me Again, Shoot Me Again, Shoot Me. Like when it just right. keeps going. loop. I just can't, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I can't understand that decision. But the riff overall is pretty cool. I mean, I listen to it once uh, every now and again. What are your thoughts on Shoot Me Again?
0: Calm down. Can you hear me? Hey. Sorry, man. Sorry. Just cut off there. What were you saying just like two seconds ago? Oh, I was just saying
1: I do like Shoot Me Again. I'm not quite a fan of um, the uh, Shoot Me Again, Shoot Me Part where he just kind of keeps repeating that over and over, but I i don't know that i would say i'd really request it at a concert i'm not sure that it's um it's that it's there for me
0: i'm holding out man i'm holding out for 2023 where we get the 20th anniversary saint anger concerts i want i want it to happen
1: can you imagine it all the way through frantic to all within my hands
0: (sighs) just do it with an orchestra do it backwards just fucking do it (laughs) get bob rock on the bass get phil there phil just sitting on a chair on the stage it could, it could work. It could definitely work. Maybe have a screening or some kind of monster beforehand with like the director cue and you know, whatever guys. Whatever guys, do it. You're doing SN2 at the moment, but uh, yeah, we have what, again.
1: What kind of dirty, savage composer would take on the role of <laughs> of making a symphonic orchestration of uh, Saint Anger? <laughs> Difficult to imagine.
0: Very, yeah, very. I mean, Sweet Amber, you could perhaps hear it for. Which I love Sweet Amber. Ha- yeah, I, I really love Sweet Amber as well, and we covered it on the show just recently, and um, it's been played once, and I've actually watched a bit of footage of that because um, they had the stuff on the Met Fan TV, and it was the guy from Godsmack who was supporting Metallica at the time on the and Anger with the World Tour, and he was going to come on stage and do Saint Sad But True with them, and they were, like, practicing vocals, but it was also attached to, as they often do with these bumper deals on the Met Club videos, uh, to Sweet Amber, and it had, like, half of the performance of them doing it, and they pulled it off well, actually. Like, it was nice to see it i'll have to look that up yeah i don't i don't
1: think i've seen that and i think this is a great track one of my favorites from saint anger um and i think on your episode i remember either you or the guest had commented on that sort of uh outro riff the really fast one up on the neck and i Mm -hmm. just saying how it's one of the best riffs on the record and i i so agree with that i think it's a really great song and again vocally from james really nice performance Mm -hmm. yeah and that moonshine slide guitar right at the start yeah I'm surprised Saint Sweet Amber hasn't gotten more attention. Really,
0: yeah. I am. Yeah, I am as well. There's definitely some crossover with like, I don't know, MAGA hat wearing people or something like that. I can see them digging it or some like little Nas X thing. <laughs> you know, something something can definitely happen in that world. But um, the unnamed feeling <laughs> has a little bit of shine on the record uh, live. Uh, Seventeen times it's been played. Bit of a crossover hit. Like even say anger haters kind of don't mind this one, right?
1: I I, I can understand why. I yeah. think it's apart from maybe the the whispered uh been here
0: before <laughs> i
1: don't know how i feel about that but that, that's uh, aged
0: badly that's aged like milk that has to be fair
1: yeah yeah exactly I, although some of the the riffs in particular on this on this song i really like the the riff as the clean riff once the intro sort of uh starts to to get into things mm. i think that's a beautiful riff it sounds very sort of almost classic metallica the rest of the song does not sound too classic Metallica, but that, that riff I could easily see being on a on a black album or um something I don't know. Yeah, Something prior.
0: And look, you know, everyone knows that I do genuinely quite like Say Anger, but um, I'm also honest about it and I'm not saying it's like one of these like spotless records that I'll adore or turn. No, no it's not. Um, you know, and Purifies example of that. It's been played zero times and I'm fucking glad it has.
1: You and me both, Tom. I <sighs> stink. I try this one on every few years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll, I'll pull out Purify. I'll be like, All right, let me give it another chance. And uh, thus far, I, I don't, I don't see. I'm not sure how this one made it on. Over, you know, you. I don't know if you, if you remember from the movie that uh, Temptation demo. I always sort of lamented Temptation didn't make it on, and I think certainly over Purify it could have been turned into a really cool song.
0: mm Yeah. Absolutely, and it's kind of one of those ones that's just lost to time, isn't it? Nothing's ever going to be done with it. We're just going to know it existing in that ecosphere.
1: Would you be shocked if they pulled out Purify at some point?
0: Uh, probably more shocked if they brought out Temptation, but uh, yeah, if, if if Purify did drop, I think... They probably will do it. Like, I can see Metallica because they serve the fans so well that even when they're geriatric, they'll just, like, open HQ and just play whatever you want, and, like, Purify (laughs) will come out that way finally. All Within My Hands, the closer to St. Anger, which I covered with Dave, I think, on the fourth or fifth episode of the show, really early on the show, uh, even back when you were listening, uh, has been played three times, kind of in acoustic guises mostly. Big, big fan of All Within My Hands. Uh, What do you think of the track? Awesome song. Um,. What are your thoughts on the kill, kill, kill? I don't remember the episode. It's been. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I I like it. I find it quite despairing. And like John Lennon, you know, primal screen therapy, like Hetfield just kind of brought down to these ashes, you know, this kind of smoldering maniac. I, I, I find it quite satisfying. Like, you know, like a lot of I say, Angelo mentioned before, like can drag and can seem a little bit cheesy, but to me it works.
1: Yeah, and it's quite a long song, but this is one of the ones on St. Anger where I don't mind it.
0: No, 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 because that huge riff, isn't it? Spread yeah. love within my head. Do, 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 do. Like, just, oh, man. It just yeah. It, it counterflips really satisfyingly.
1: That, and the, uh, the the more palm-muted riff, the da-dun-da-dun-da-dun-da-dun-da-dun. Mm. Da-dun, 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 da-dun.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, excellent, excellent. Yeah. Um, and that brings us to the end of St. Anger in terms of the live renditions. Uh, there are four now from Death Magnetic that have got sub-50 plays. Uh, Unforgiven 3 with 8 plays. I know you said you're not a fan of sequels, but
1: this one, if anything, doesn't seem that much like a sequel to either of the previous two. What do you think?
0: No, I mean, yeah, it has that kind of... It has that headline-grabbing rhythm guitar which really steals your attention, and there's a grandiosity to the melody that irks me somewhat. Um, You know... Kind of like the steel-toothed snarl that a lot of Death Magnetic has in terms of its riffs. It's very fast-paced. But this kind of more cinematic, thematic leanings, like the Unforgiven series is one to do, doesn't really work for me in terms of the sound of Death Magnetic. It feels quite brittle.
1: I remember being pretty shocked at the the intro when I first heard it. The fact that they went full-on just orchestra basically um or maybe not full orchestra but it, it it's got i don't know i'm kind of annoyed that they made the unforgiven three without the the horn yeah i think if anything if it's the unforgiven three you got to have the horn and if you don't have the horn then you can make it another song yeah <laughs> it didn't
0: even really need to be uh the third one but you know whatever uh so much of deathbang that was harking back wasn't it um you know yeah absolutely. And stuff like that so yeah and-
1: that- I ultimately like it. I'll put it mm-hmm. on every once in a while. But again, if you try to compare it at all to The Unforgiven, it, it's just not... It. Un, I mean, I hold The Unforgiven maybe a little too highly. So uh, neither 2 nor 3 really does it, uh, compar- comparatively no. speaking. No,
0: they don't, they don't hold a candle to it, do they, really?
1: No. no, no, no,
0: no. Judas Kiss has 30 plays. And, like, so much of Death Magnetic, just... Fast-paced, frenetic, challenging, confrontational, and you know, a long track, challenging song.
1: I was so glad to see this one was not at zero plays. I think this is such a good song. I would love to see it live, and mm. I think it's just—I think it's chock full of of delicious riffs. <laughs>
0: It it is it is um you know and just some of the vocals the way it draws down as well and James leaps into the hole and you know Kirk has a lot of kind of uh, again laptop orchestrated leads but um you know they work yeah on on, on some sort of Jason Stayton bass level I suppose uh, Suicide and Redemption two plays. And we just covered this recently on the show, so I watched one of the players. I think it was in Glasgow that he did it or something like that. But the crowd didn't really know what was going on. They weren't very attentive. Obviously, it was on the World Magnetic Tour. Um, this is probably the weakest instrumental for me, I've got to be honest. It's,
1: I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think it's a good one. I think I think it's a good song. But it's not, not quite up to par with uh, any of the previous three. No. Not even close.
0: No, definitely not. Um, it just... That steam, you know, the ingenuity. Really, I mean, sound aside, like I can get over the sound on this one certainly, but just the leads just feel a little. I don't know. Feels like a kind of national yeah. anthem for a shitty country. Like it just kind of has this <laughs> patriotic. Yeah, you're right.
1: It does have that. It does have some sort
0: of uh, almost patriotic yeah. vibe to it. Yeah, it does. Um, I, I don't really get that. But the song of this quartet from Death Magnetic that I absolutely adore again. A closing song from the record seems to be a theme here. My Apocalypse 37 plays. Incredible track.
1: Yeah. Severely underrated.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I
1: you know what I think? I'm curious what you think um about Hetfield in this song. It it almost seems like he's in rare form. Some sort of uh unleashed energy yeah. comparatively speaking to much of Saint Anger and and even a lot of Death Magnetic. It's mm-hmm. really really impressive. It's
0: yeah, it's absolutely berserker, isn't it? It's just it, yeah. it's it's monumental what he does and through that ferocity there seems to have been like an increased sensitivity the link between the rhythm and the melody and the way it all crashes together and just barrels forward and yeah absolutely adore this song love the way it stops and starts and roars and you know it's just a yeah it's a mind-bending track and um you know, you know I mean, yeah un- unlike you know how
1: we said suicide and redemption just doesn't quite hold a candle to the uh the original uh instrumentals i do think my apocalypse sh- deserves to stand next to the uh the famous closers, Damage Inc. Mm. and uh, Dyer's Eve. I really think so. I think it's excellent. I really okay. do.
0: Okay. So we go forward now to, I mean, slightly unfair perhaps, because this is the album that's still being toured. So, okay, it's been like three years, but still, these are new songs. They haven't had the right. uh, length of time to acquire, But still, a lot of them have been played a fuck ton. So there's only a few here to pick from. Um, Overall, like, where, where do you stand on Hardwired as a record?
1: Overall, I like it. I'm very fond of Moth mm-hmm. Atlas Rise um oh yeah I, I I think I'm not sure if this is a uh, a bit sacrilegious or not for the general <laughs> fans but I I don't really love the song Hardwired all that much uh not compared yeah. to compared to Moth or Atlas or or Spit Out the Bone I I'm not sure to to me it wouldn't be the opener of my set although I understand why they're doing that of course but yeah. um anyway hardwired overall i think it's got a pr- i think they did a good job with that sort of melodic heavy flavor that metallica knows how to bring but they there are certain songs where you're you're kind of wondering what's going on in what in what sense well it sometimes they feel a bit meandering or or even um uh, well you know just thinking of the the next one coming up here dream no more i don't mind it at all i think it's a good song and i listen to it um i try my hardest whenever a new album comes out i listen to it start to finish and i do that a few different times and then i'll listen to it on shuffle to see how they uh you know co-mingle with each Mm -hmm. other uh, in a different context and i like dream no more but it's not special it doesn't uh hold me in it doesn't make me really uh, hungry for more um yeah i don't know what are your thoughts on dream no more
0: it has that chorus, crunk riff, you know, that everyone enjoys. It has the Cthulhu mythos, but yeah, it just is a bit pedestrian, ultimately. The riffs are strung out far too far. Sounds great, but just, I don't know, the uh, the, the plodding nature doesn't really endear it to me. Um, neither does Confusion. 29 plays. Don't mind the gnarled riff, but it's just, I, I, I don't know, Hardwired to me... It kind of has a Death Magnetic flavor. It certainly sounds about the Death Magnetic, but it's kind of got like load, reload aspirations musically. They don't really seem to be testing themselves, like My Apocalypse, for example, that you mentioned.
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. It, it, it really is almost as though they took their uh, early sensibilities and, and combined it with much of the flavor of load and reload. And uh, I... I actually kind of like confusion, uh mm-hmm. just thinking about the uh the chorus, uh especially as it switches into the delusion yeah, and uh, just that that the way that it comes out of the chorus too um I'm pretty fond of that, I like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, I think it works, but again, on hardwired it, I wouldn't rank it near the top not not anywhere near the top three or top four even
0: right, and uh, mankind has been played twice. Rob credit getting <laughs> in the mix there. I mean, just you know, I kind of. What do you think out, of that? We're r- here. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing, not nothing, nothing conjures mentally for me really in this song though.
1: No, that uh, the main riff I find to be quite boring, almost mm-hmm. sleepy. Yeah. Boom, bam, da da Boom. Yeah, yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I know you mean. Yeah, it's got a kind of. a bit weird. Yeah, it's got a sway to it. It's got a kind of yeah, craziness um here comes revenge 22 plays do love the main riff (laughs) down 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 like it's very built in that Uh, hardwired workshop and you know has absolutely all over it but still i i think it's pretty uh pretty successful
1: yeah i'd I'd keep here comes revenge for sure i wouldn't mind
0: seeing it yeah and there are two songs finally on hardwired that have never been played live yet am i savage and murder one i mean murder one i'm surprised especially in terms of lemmy's passing you would have thought they might do this on an anniversary or something right um
1: i actually really have enjoyed your recent episodes on uh the the motorhead covers because i i'm kind of like you i don't really know too much by motorhead and kind of sparked my interest i'm not sure if i will other than that i i loved when you did the call out to tony hawk because that's exactly where i know ace of spades from um (laughs) i think these songs are okay uh again it's not the best of hardwired um it's certainly i'd take them both over much of reload that's for sure
0: uh-huh. yeah and am i savage any thoughts generally
1: well i i really like the um, the music of the am i savage and those climbing power chords and sure. how they just build that tension that bridge um, riffs nasty all, yeah yeah absolutely and and the way lars uh takes us back into the main riff with that snare just underneath the guitar it it really does push the song forward i think am i savage is, is being pushed it doesn't feel quite as as uh jangly as dream no more for example
0: so as always guys i mean get in touch let me know what you would like to see played live uh, I did put this on the Patreon patreon.com forward slash out Metallica if you enjoy discussions like these they go on the Patreon first so you can give back to the show and get an RSS feed and download them straight there and I did when I put together the spreadsheet um, a few days ago I popped on the Patreon as well just to show people what the stats were I'll put that on the Twitter as well at Metallica pod um, so we got a few comments just from uh, the patrons over there Aurelian says I've been able to witness the first time that Orion has been played the first three rare tracks from the Black Album as part of the so I basically asking what's songs they've seen that are rare songs I've been able to witness the first time that Orion has been played, the first three rare tracks from the Black Album as part of the Black Album 20th Anniversary Tour and also Outlaw Torn at their last Mannheim show. Yeah, I just played that actually. I'm very impressed by how tight the performances were for songs that they never played or barely played in front of an audience. My real disappointment comes from Unforgiven 2. I have not witnessed it live but all the recorded performances were not great. James struggled with the highest notes and the band did not manage to recreate the guitar sounds of the studio version. It's something that I was hoping to discuss during the forthcoming Unforgiven 2 episode which, yeah, me and really are going to recover uh, record very soon says a live show that included the Unforgiven Trilogy scattered during the set will be awesome in my opinion and Ralph said so so many songs on this list I wish I'd heard live my top five of those are Frayed Ends Orion My Friend of Misery Outlaw and Fixer Trapped Under Ice and Metal Militia get honourable mentions the only one I've ever had the pleasure of witnessing live was Dire's Eve this is a highlight of the world magnetic day in Cleveland for me without a date doubt hopefully I can eventually cross some of these off during my list definitely hoping for Outlaw during SNM 2 and uh you know they're the type of band aren't they metallica they just reward this close scrutiny
1: yeah absolutely i mean they the thing that i love uh i didn't ever, haven't ever gotten to see this actually happen live but i love when they did the um the show where people could vote for what song they wanted to see mm. i just feel like that's so rare and so many bands just bore you to death with with new songs before even the album has come out. And I've just never understood that. With that being said, though, I don't know how people will feel about this. And I, I know there are new Metallica fans out there that deserve to see Master of Puppets live. But I am all, I am sort of getting to a point where I kind of really want to see these uh, sort of more underrated songs come out instead of those just monstrosities that we all know and love. I mean, I love Master of Puppets with all my heart, but they've played it. I was surprised to see it was the number one most played song over Enter Sandman but I guess it's older
0: yeah yeah it's got like what five years on it yeah yeah so it's probably yeah always always going to be played as is uh, Sandman but um yeah guys again let us know uh, you know rare songs what rare songs have you seen what rare songs do you want to see you know I wonder how long we'll get uh, another debut it's unlikely perhaps to be sliver but you know stranger things have happened they've been playing some say anger songs just recently and snm2 is happening like in a week's time or so like that so check out all the snm2 content coming up i mean austin as when this isn't traditionally a alpha Metallica episode but there probably won't be any more for a long time because we've kind of done all the songs almost we've got them all booked up we'll do a few quick fire questions um the first of which being your favorite metallica, your favorite metallica song
1: well, I'll have to go, as an all-time favorite, I have to go with One, the one that started yeah. it all. Um, it's just a perfect song to me. Uh, when we were talking about songs being bloated or stuffed with too too many parts, too many things, mm-hmm. One is a pretty long song, and it just feels like you could listen to several more minutes and not, and not care at all. I mean, you just get lost in that song. Um, in terms of a, a recent favorite... I've really lately I don't know why, um, but I've really been into Ride the Lightning. Yeah. So sort of as a modern favorite, I've I'm really okay. revisiting uh that one.
0: What about album by the band?
1: Justice. Hands mm. down. Was the first rock album that I ever bought. Um back I don't I don't know if you have these over in uh in Britain, but uh, we used to have this place called C D Warehouse where you could it's sort like,
0: of sure, sure, buy yeah. sell
1: trade, you know, and back mm. in Back in the early 2000s, it was such a. I remember going there and just going straight for Justice, saying, "Okay, I know about one. I need to figure out what else is on this this album, and I just can't get enough of it. I li- I've listened to that album more times than I can even count. And yeah, I mean, they're all. Go- I love them all, other than Reload. But I think, I think, uh, I think Justice has to take the cake.
0: What about band member?
1: so when i was young i would have said kirk when i first started playing uh guitar because he you know he was just such an inspiration uh as i was sort of discovering the band but as i've gotten older i i hate to say it because everybody does but gotta go james
0: it's, I mean, yeah it's the only correct answer essentially
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: i mean fair enough, like you, the ron mcgovney guys out there i get it like i definitely get it but uh i think uh, i think james is the uh, most crucial part what about seeing them live have you seen them live at all
1: i've seen them twice actually i saw them on the uh madly and anger with the world tour back in 2004 um godsmack opened up so i'm in fort lauderdale florida Mm -hmm. and it was uh you know i was maybe in two years into really learning like listening to the band learning about the band so i was just a little kid in heaven um it was my first really big rock show like really you know proper arena rock show and uh I loved it. And then I walked, I also went to uh Miami in on the hardwire tour. So that was nice. twenty seventeen. Yeah. Which was a fantastic show. I was very happy to hear uh Blackened and that's another one of my favorites. Of course it's yeah. Justice. So
0: and doing a podcast like this about another band that you love, who would you like to cover?
1: You know, the truth is the only other band that I probably could do it on besides Metallica, um, it would be Green Day, believe it or mm. not. Cool. Yeah. Y- used to be uh, a big favorite. And uh, these days, not. I don't listen so much anymore. But in terms of knowledge about the songs and the albums, you know, that would definitely be the one.
0: Getting your dookie on. I respect that.
1: <laughs> what are your thoughts on Green Day? I'm curious.
0: Yeah, I don't mind. I don't. To be honest, I'm not really listening to them too much. I like that music's not really to my taste, but I do respect them heavily. Mm. And the fact that it's been the same for Sweet Children, right? That's what they started as. And, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, they're they're a cool band, like, but just not really my like like American Idiot. Especially was giant when I was at school, and I was always a bit more into like I don't know Rise Against and stuff like that in my sort of team music. Okay. So, um yeah, cool. But uh but yeah, this has been great. You know, this has been an interesting episode, really. It's just been a good excuse just to talk about songs you haven't mentioned in ages on the show <laughs> and get your little review and opinion on them. And people let us know again if you've seen any of these rare songs live or anything cool happened, anything anomalous went down with Jason's fucking bass peg or something. I don't know. But uh at MetallicaPod, Metallicopod at gmail.com. We got loads of cool episodes coming up as well. I don't quite know where we are on the calendar, we're quite ahead, but yeah, go on Patreon help the show out there uh, at MetallicaPod. Anything you'd like to promote, finally, Austin?
1: No, not really. Just uh, thank you so much for having me on. I've had a great time listening to this podcast for a long time now, and I'm grateful that you make it. And, I uh, yeah, it's been a blast to come on and uh, get to talk with you. No,
0: no, likewise, absolutely likewise. So, yeah, guys, if you want to hop on and do an episode in the future about whatever topic you want, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. Get in touch with me there. Uh, Yeah, Al Metallica, Austin, thank you again.
1: Thanks so much, Tom.